Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. It is Wednesday night, which means it is time for Friends in Fiction. It's our favorite night of the week, and we hope it is for you, too. I am Patty Callahan Henry. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I'm Kristen Harmel. And this is Friends in Fiction. Four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, librarians, readers, writers, all the things. And tonight we will be welcoming bestselling author JT Ellison to talk about her new book, it's one of us. Woohoo! Shiver. Hey. It's amazing. And Jill Santapolo will join us in the after show. And we have a special popping guest at the end of the show. Zibby Owens will be here so we can celebrate some of her exciting new endeavors. So settle in, turn off all the distractions like your phone, your notifications, because you are not going to want to miss a single thing of this chock full night. Yeah, and I hope you have all texted your husband to bring you a glass of wine. Mine is apparently not, <laughs> not receiving my text messages. So that is very suspicious. <laughs> kind of worried about that. Maybe you should go check on him. I'm gonna have to go. I would say cold duck, but that is wine. So I'm gonna have to go cold turkey for the while anyway. <laughs> Yeah. We are here to bring you incredible authors, hot reads, and fascinating interviews, all while supporting independent booksellers. One way you can help us support indies is to buy from them when and where you can, or visit our own friendsandfictionbookshop.org page, where you can find JT's and Jill's and Zibby's books, and books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. And of course, we don't just have fun content for you here. We also have a book club on a separate Facebook page called the Friends in Fiction Official Book Club with Brenda and Lisa. Coming up next is a visit by Sonali Dev this Monday, February 20th at 7 p.m. And we, of course, have our Writer's Block podcast that drops every Friday. On our Facebook page, we will always post a link to the newest episode or you can find our Friends in Fiction podcast on all major podcasting platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. For our most recent episode of The Writer's Block, Ron and Meg talked to Lauren Jessen about her debut rom-com, Lunar Love. Coming this Friday, Ron and Mary Kay will be talking to Kristen Mai Chase about her new novel, A Thousand Miles to Graceland. Such good books. So listen, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. And if you don't, <laughs> and if you don't, we if you are going to be don't, you're in trouble. I'm over there. No, <laughs> well, no, we don't just love talking about books. We love, we love to write them. We like having written them. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's true. Theoretically, <laughs> theory. All four of us have written new books that are coming out here. 
So it's a heck of a reading year, my friends. So if you want to be one of the first to get signed first editions, we have a Friends in Fiction first edition subscription available now from the Indie Bookstore Booktown with an E on the end in Manasquan, New Jersey. And this subscription features signed hardback first editions from each of us and a Friends in Fiction kitchen towel that says dinner can wait. It's time for Friends in Fiction. You can order from them right now at Booktown with an E dot com. And do I have something else I need to tell you about? Oh, no, no, no. Well, so that was me. All right. I'm here to tell you something that does involve Mary Kay, which is exciting. So I'm here to tell you about an award that the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance has created in the name of Mary Kay's daughter, Katie Trocek Abel. As you've heard us talk about, Katie had a huge heart for community outreach, lending countless hours of support to organizations such as No Kid Hungry and Atlanta's Free 99 Fridge and Helping Mamas, which is actually named a car seat donation program in Katie's honor. Katie, of course, was also a fierce supporter of her mom, Mary Kay. And of all of us, we would not be friends in fiction without her. Do you remember she was crawling around and getting things set up on our very first episode? She was the wind beneath our wings before we knew what this could become. Um, she's also always been a supporter of the many booksellers who support her mom and who support us. So thanks to the generosity of an anonymous donor in Katie's honor and to celebrate the often unheralded acts of kindness that take place all the time in our bookselling world, SIBA will award $500 to a bookseller in the Southern region who has gone above and beyond in their local community. Booksellers can self-nominate and nominations are also welcome from bookstore owners, employees, managers, and fellow booksellers as well from as from publishing professionals, authors, and bookstore customers like all of you out there. So nominations are open now until May 1st, and the winner will be announced on July 3rd. So Meg will share the link in the comments where you can find all the details and the nomination form. And we are so excited to be able to be a part of this really special award. Yeah, honored and humbled. All right, ladies, let's introduce JT. J.T. Ellison is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of more than 25 novels and the Emmy award-winning co-host of the literary TV show, A Word on Words. With millions of books in print, J.T.'s work has been published in 28 countries and 16 languages. Her novel, The Cold Room, won the ITW Thriller Award for Best Paperback Original, and her novels, Field of Graves and Where All the Dead Lie, were each a Rita nominee for Best Romantic Suspense. She also writes urban fantasy under the pen name Joss Walker. Over the course of her literary career, she has worked with the Metro Nashville Police Department and the FBI, as well as performed autopsies and studied survivalists. Shiver. Well, as yeah. well as being a really dear friend, a fantastic literary citizen, and a hell of a writer, JT lives with her husband and twin kittens in Nashville, Tennessee. Aww. Her new novel, It's One of Us, is set to be released on February 21st. Sean, can you bring our friend JT on? Hey, JT. Hey, JT. Hey, JT. How are I'm, you? I'm a little verklempt from all of that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If for you have sure. a bookseller you want to nominate, you go for it. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah. awesome. I, I do. I will definitely do that. All right, JT. We're going to dive deep into this novel, but we're all going to chat for a minute because this novel made me think 
so much about my ancestry and about mm -hmm. DNA and about where we come from and about um, what's hidden in our DNA, whether, okay. So for all of you, have you done your DNA? And if you did, did you find anything interesting, Mary Kay? I have not done DNA testing, but um, only because I haven't gotten around to it. I do have an Ancestry.com account. Um, my cousins on my father's side, my both my grandparents on my father's side, were um, Irish immigrants, and so we and they never wanted to talk about that. So my all of us are really kind of interested in going back and finding out. We know a little bit, but not as much as we'd like to. Did you find the ship they were on or anything? Did you find a my manifest? cousin? Yeah, my cousin found the manifest, and That's we know so that um, she she literally was an indentured servant. Um, her employer in Chicago paid her paid her fare to come over. Oh, wow, family stories. How about you, Kristen? Yeah, so I I also have an ancestry.com account. I think I talked about that a little bit when the Forest of Vanishing Stars came out because it kind of tied into that book. But I didn't do um. A, a DNA test until recently. Um, and I did it with 23andMe. I did it actually after my breast cancer diagnosis, um, because part of what they offer is a testing of like, you know, whether you have one of those two most common BRCA genes, which is really what I was after. But it was fascinating as a byproduct of that to find out not only um, how my parents' genes had passed down separately to me and my other, my brother, who's also on there. Um, but also just all these connections I didn't know I had, these people I'd never heard of who I was second cousins with. But it's interesting because my brother and I share both of the same parents and the genes passed down differently. So we both got almost the exact same percentage of my mother's Irish and British genes. Um, but on my dad's side, I inherited more of the Ashkenazi Jewish genes and he inherited more of the French genes from my dad. So it was so, so interesting crazy. to just see how it passes down. It's fascinating. DNA is so fascinating. Yeah. How about you, Christy? <clears throat> Do you know I haven't? And I don't even really know why. I should. I'd be really interested in it. Um, I just haven't done it. I don't know. But have you done like a family tree and all of that? Yeah. And so actually, like my parents have these like big books of like just see, that's know, why you haven't done it yet. Like you have yeah, something. Like I guess maybe, but I don't know. And then I don't know. I just always hear all these crazy stories too about like people reaching out and having all these like random cousins. And I mean, I, yep. I, this, I'm so fascinated by it. And, um, it's just so interesting to me. And I think that's why this book really captured my attention. Cause I think there are so many ramifications. I mean, you know, you think about yeah. the secrets that people thought they were going to keep forever, forever. Yes. and they're not secrets anymore. And that is just, um, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. JT, did you do yours? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I I so we're I'm Italian. My dad's Italian. My my great grandmother came over. And so we were trying to trace that back because we can't get back more than a couple of generations. Um and and we still haven't been able to. But we know fam, you know, from the family that we're descended from Anascarza Nardi but we can't find the link. So we're, we're still working on that. And then on my mom's side, huge, huge family, you know, 11 kids on, on one side, oh nine on the other. And so there's all of these extended cousins and everything. And, but there is somebody in the 
feed that doesn't belong to anybody. And I'm trying to get up the guts to write them. It's like a third cousin or second or second or third cousin. And I'm trying to get up the the guts to write and say, Hey, where'd you come from? Where did you come from? You know, wouldn't that be, it's kind of fascinating. And that's, you know, yeah, I, I, um, I made everybody do it. And I too inherited different genes. You know, it's, that's really fascinating. Isn't to me. it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really, you know, when my mom says, You are your father's daughter, I'm like, well, yes, actually I am. And I'm <laughs> to tell you the truth. And I can prove it. <laughs> I can yeah. prove it. He's actually more than 50% of my genes here. Like <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Hi, mom and dad. Well, I can't well, believe I didn't say this, this y'all. Wait, I'm so sorry, Patty, but I have to tell you all this. I was at a book signing one time and a lady came up to me and was like, We're related, and handed me a manila envelope and like uh, like all these generations back were like somehow related. I can't believe I forgot about that. It was like a long time ago. Oh it was one of the gosh, funniest Christy. things that's ever happened to me at a book signing. That's that goes in the book signing story yeah. conversation. Yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, there's a million stories hidden inside DNA. So let's talk about yeah. the one JT wrote. So let's take a deep dive into this thrill ride of a novel It is a story about a woman who is going through fertility treatments when she receives a knock at the door by a police officer delivering shocking news that DNA results show that the suspect in a terrible murder is her husband's son. But whoops, she didn't know her husband had a son. (gasps) It is so gripping and so emotional. So that's what it's about. But JT, what is it really about? I think it's about how the lies of omission can break a relationship. Mm. That the littlest thing, you know, we're so, we have to trust the people that we are with, right? We have to trust our partners. We have to trust them and think that they're going to be telling us the truth. And oftentimes they're not. And infidelities, all of these kinds of things, you know, you can get caught in a lie. But when you are given a gift, which Olivia gives Park in this book of saying, I'm having trouble having your child. I want you to donate so that you can have something of yourself left behind. That incredible graciousness. And he has a moment that he can say, I already did. And he doesn't. It's the lie of omission. It's the omission. It's the omission of his omissions. It's the omission. (laughs) Mary Kay liked that one. (laughs) Alternate title suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) We start a blog. The omission of his omissions. Um, But but truly, you know, he does not give her this one gift back, and you know. He could have easily done that and they would have avoided the whole situation, but then it wouldn't be a thriller. (laughs) We wouldn't have a story if he had done the right thing. That is so true. Oh, that's awesome. I just hearing, hearing that little nugget of information about it is, um, is so tantalizing. I can imagine that so many of our viewers out there tonight are thinking like, oh my God, I can't wait to get my hands on this book. It's just such a cool concept. So the spark behind this book, this is undoubtedly, as Patty has said, I know the two of you are very good friends. It's the most emotional and personal book you've written. So can you talk to us a little bit about the spark that started the fire of this novel? You, You dedicate the book to your starlight fireflies, and you've said it began with one of those tragic comedic life moments. We'd love to hear all about it. So 
This is very much a mirror of my journey through infertility. My husband and I tried for many years to have babies and I could get pregnant, but I could not stay pregnant. And yeah, it sucked. I mean, it really sucked. Um, Nobody could ever figure out. That's why I ended up doing the DNA um, because we were doing genetic testing and, and I have a couple of weird abnormalities, nothing, you know, nothing that would be insurmountable but they could never figure out why I couldn't stay pregnant. And, you know, after we had gone through this and, you know, gone through a lot of money and heartache, um, when I lost twins, that was when I was like, Nope, I'm done. I can't do this. Oh, JT, I'm sorry to hear that. So that was, um, gosh, almost 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. It's been, it's been a long time. So during all of that though, there is always comedy in tragedy. There, there just is. And he, speaking of emissions, has his part to do. And and my poor husband is there in a cubicle with a dirty magazine <laughs> trying to do his part in Sweet Home Alabama comes on the speakers. <laughs> and he's from the University of Tennessee. He is a volunteer. And he came home and he said, honey, I just couldn't do it. It's <laughs> hilarious. And he goes, You've got to put that in a book. And I'm like, I do have to put that in a book. But oh I'm a thriller writer. How do I write about infertility? How do I write about yeah. something so focused on women, right? This is much yeah. more of a woman's fiction kind of story. And I had to figure out how to do that. And it was, I, I sat on this story forever, for a really long time, until I finally saw this woman in my head, walking down the beach. She had chinos on. She had dark hair that was blowing in the wind. It was chilly. She had her arms wrapped around her and she was so sad. And I didn't know who she was and I didn't know why she was sad. And I had to find out. And then the line came to me, there is blood again. (gasps) Oh my God, here it is. This is the story. Oh, JT, chill bumps. Yeah. So it, it kind of took off from there. I had been trying to tell, because it's a thriller, I was trying to tell it through Parks, through the husband's yeah. eyes of, you know, wow, you know, now I've, I've got all these kids and one of them's a murderer and all of that. And it wasn't until Olivia presented herself to me that I realized, oh, oh no, this is her story, not his. I feel like there's something a little bit more powerful in a way too about writing a book that came from such a personal place even if it doesn't end up being your story that the origin was something so personal that that pulled you through so much and that probably changed you a little bit as a person do you feel like that was reflected in the book i think so i think yeah. so for sure it's you know we patty and i've talked about this you know it wasn't ripping off the band-aid it was getting out the razor blades and just cutting myself open wow. it was it was really hard yeah. but i realized you know i've always had maybe a little inferiority complex about writing about children because I don't have children. I don't, I don't know a lot about what it's like to raise a child. I do though know a lot about what it's like to lose them. And that was what I felt like I had to share. And in so doing, because I've been really, you know, a little nervous about going out and and being very open and vulnerable about this. But if I can help just one person who is going through this right now, understand that there is a good and joyous full life on the other side, no matter what happens. I mean, spoiler alert, it never worked for us. We don't have kids. And 
we're just fine. Yes, <laughs> you know, so fine. there is yeah. there is life, there is light at the end of the tunnel to to use a terrible cliche, but it's very true. Absolutely. Well, we for one are glad that you opened yourself to yeah. the truth of this because that's where the power in this story mm-hmm. comes from. Yep. Yeah. That's where it comes from. And there've got to be, I mean, I can't see it right now, but I'm sure there's so many people commenting that you know, they've yeah. been through this or their daughter's yeah. been through this or they're, you know, oh, yeah. there's so many people that are touched by, yeah. you know, the same thing. And it's, it's a really, it's a really hard thing. Yeah. I do know about oh, losing them. Wow. Yeah. Right. Oh, stop. You guys are going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> You're making us cry and people out there. So. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, it is, you know, it, it is, uh, it's a difficult thing to talk about. And it's something that's yeah. stigmatized. Miscarriage is absolutely yeah. stigmatized. We all have either had one or know somebody very close to us who has. Yes. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just our dirty little secret. Nobody talks about it yeah. unless you have one. And then somebody very quietly reaches out and says, oh, I had one too. Mm-hmm. I want to destigmatize this. I want us to be able yeah. to talk about it. I want us to be able to put up our hand and say, oh my God, me too. How sucky yeah. was that? You know, I love you. You know, let me, let yeah. me give you a hug. And, and maybe we can be stronger together instead of hiding behind this. Yeah. yeah I think that's such a, I think that's such a powerful sentiment. And I think, you know, it's connected with, there's so much shame about the processes in women's bodies. Yeah. I mean, I can remember being in, in um, you know, junior high and being mortified. Somebody might find out I had a, a cotex in my purse, for God's oh, sake, yeah. or a tampon. Like it's dirty or something. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm, I really am um, encouraged by this generation of young women who are so, just so much more open about it and so yes. much, no, I'm not ashamed of it. This is just what happens with your bodies. Anyway, um, okay, JT, you've been a little bit, I don't want to say obsessed with DNA testing. <laughs> for our lives now. Now, you've referred to the novel Hidden Valley Road about the 12 kids, six of whom have schizophrenia. And then there's this new podcast, Donor 9623. And of course, I'm thinking back um, because, you know, I like a true crime book myself, The Golden State Killers, which, you know, they tracked down that um, cold case killer using um, DNA testing. Anyway, talk to us about this interest in DNA testing and all the research you did. And how your novel might have changed once you started doing this research? That's a great question because it became so much richer as as mm-hmm. happens when you learn yeah. more about something that you're working on. You know, it's one thing for my personal experience to be there, but this is a completely unregulated industry that everybody knows nothing about. Yeah. Right. Again, another shame how we build our families. Right. I mean, I'm sure we all know somebody who used sperm donation or egg donation, but we certainly don't talk about it in polite company. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the the podcast in particular was fascinating to me because I, I heard that right after I had started the book. And the, the donor, they knew, the company knew that the donor had schizophrenia and had falsified all of his background wow. and they continued to use him anyway. Uh. 
So there was a huge lawsuit in Georgia and, and it's changed, it's changing how the industry is regulated, which is excellent. Um, so that played a huge role because it was just, you know, imagining, wow, you've trusted in these people to help you create a family in an already tenuous situation. If you're using sperm donation, either, you know, there are a million reasons why, but obviously something is not going as you wanted it to. And then to find out that the child that you've had, you know, is, is vulnerable to a host of pro possible problems. That was incredible. And then the Hidden Valley Road, that I, I interviewed Robert on, on A Word on Words, and that book was just so utterly fascinating. Not only was it the story of the Galvins and their, their 12 children and the six boys who all had schizophrenia, um, oh there are studies that are being done now giving choline, C-H-O-L-I-N-E, choline, mm -hmm. in utero that they think might stop mental illness might stop bipolar and schizophrenia in particular. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. The doctors though that are doing the study will be dead long before they prove their thesis. Oh, right. Cause it would, it would have to play out over the course of it somebody's has to life. Play out over yeah. the course of, you know, at least 20 years or so to yes. see who starts developing this. Wow. But right. gosh, how incredible. And what a simple, yeah thing if it works one tiny supplement that we just don't get enough of might be the key so ladies add oh. choline i mean there's they're starting to see that how that might have some protection against alzheimer's as well wow is that in yeah. eggs is that what choline is in or am i mixing that up i think it's in, I, I think it's in <laughs> eggs and spinach and, and okay a couple other wow things. you know That's it's just one of those things we don't get enough of yeah. later spinach I'll have yes. that. I know, right? <laughs> who cares if it's in your teeth Brilliant. Finish <laughs> smoothie for the house. Choline smoothies for all of us. Choline smoothies. <laughs> well, JT, you know, I love this book so much. And I have to say, I think that I didn't, I don't really think that I knew what it was about. I think I just like got it in the mail and I like literally sat down and started reading it. And I remember when I got to the line, it's one of us. I went <gasps> and put the book down. I was like, that is so brilliant. It's so good. So um, there are just, there's so many twists in this story with the num the points of views and the ex-lovers and the new lovers and the best friends and the frenemies and a killer on the loose. And so I thought to myself so many times, how did she write this? Like, are you an architect or are you a gardener? Do you know what's coming or is this all just kind of bubbling as you write? And did you know who the killer was? <laughs> well, <laughs> interestingly enough, I did not know who the prologue was about. Ooh. And that was, it was holding me back because I, I written this, I mean, I think it's a really great prologue. I think it's a really cool frame for the story and I really dug it. And I had no idea who it was about <laughs> because there's so many people it could be about right? Yeah. It's it's not just maybe one person who is a suspect in this. There are a number of suspects. This is multiple points of view. This is, um, you know, park sperm donation many, many years ago is the pebble that lands yes. in the water. And then the concentric ripples, each one of those is a point of view. So that everybody who's affected by it from his wife, Olivia, to one of the donor mothers, to one of the donor daughters, to the police who are investigating the murder, to the brother, his twin, who has always had a you know, flame for Olivia. 
all of these people and his sister, everybody has their moment in this book to try to figure out what's going on. So It's One of Us is a very apropos title. It's probably, gosh, what, the third or fourth title? It was not the original title of the book. Really? Oh I my gosh, assume that was we went through a lot. Patty, yes. Patty was on the in with that. Patty was the very first person that said, I love It's One of Us. Because I was yeah. like, I don't know. Was yeah. was the other front runner the omission about his omissions? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember that one being on the list. To be that'll honest. be the paper. Yeah, that, one, that one would have gone over well. No, Lauren Lowry, <laughs> who has the Amstigator <laughs> podcast, is the one that said we're going to talk about the om omissions of his omissions. I'm like, I'm so stealing that. That's awesome. <laughs> so credit where credit is due. But no, the the first the first uh, title was the Many Faces of Me. Oh, that's good. But too. that made it about Park. Yeah. It needed to be about Olivia. Yeah. And so then it was Never Darling, which I loved, mm -hmm. um, but just didn't really encapsulate the story mm. very well. And so my publisher, my editor, my agent, and myself got on a Zoom call and we literally sat there with the manuscript, flipping through, looking for things. It's like, which, what could be saying things out loud? And I said, it's one of us. And they were like, Wait, say it again. I said it's one of us, and we, we all were like, "Yep." That's and then I so said awesome. it to Patty while we were on the call. I'm like, "Do you like it's one of us?" And she was like, "I oh, really yeah. like that." I was like, "All right, that's it. Then that's let's awesome. do it." I love it. That's so cool. Well, I know something that we all struggle with, and as you know, I'm reading your bio and looking at all of the many, many hats you wear. Um, you might struggle with this too, but it's something that I know is really important to you. And that is deep work and how it's so important to our creative process. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? I can, because I'm actually struggling really badly right now because I'm trying to write another book, right? I, I really wanted to have it done before tours started mm -hmm. and that didn't happen. Um, and I've been kind of beating myself up a little bit because I am not able to write and be deep and get a thousand words a day right now. You know, that you're this yeah. is actually the fourth event I've done today. Oh wow. So, you know, I'm I'm so sorry. Not oh, no, don't <laughs> apologize. It's great. It's totally great. You know, it but it's you know, it's tour, right? You you're yeah. this is what we do. This is just how we how we function. But I have been really kind of getting on myself for, you know, why aren't you done? Why haven't you been working on this? Oh, and and that's, you know, it's really, yourself. it's yeah. not, it's not fair. I'm not being fair to myself, but deep work is something, uh, you know, I, I am a huge fan of Cal Newport and, and his book, Deep Work. Um, but it's something that I had started long ago. I think all novelists do this. We have to, we have to be able to shut off the distractions and write uninterrupted for at least, you know, a little bit of time. Yeah. So I I really believe in the ability of our brains to not multitask, yeah. right? We want to multitask. We want to, you know, be checking our email while we're writing and, oh you know, yeah, what happened on Twitter? And, hey, you know, maybe I'll just run into the kitchen and do something. And that's so bad for us. And I think that we do better when we don't have all of those distractions. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, JT, we have a lot more we want to talk about with you. So you're not allowed to go anywhere. But all <laughs> of you listening, um, don't go anywhere because Jill Santapolo and Zibby Owens are joining us for the after show. But we're just going to take a moment to tell you about a few things we know you'll love. Yeah, we want to make sure you know about our in-person events coming up. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now. You'll always read about them in our newsletters and on our individual websites. But for a quick recap, we'll be in Columbus, Ohio on April 5th. Then we'll be in Charleston, South Carolina with Buxton Books on May 1st to celebrate the launch of Patty's novel, The Secret Book of Flora Lee. That link is live now on the Buxton Books website, and Meg will share the ticketing link in the comments. My launch of The Paris Daughter is the evening of Tuesday, June 6th in Huntsville, Alabama, and the link is now live, so you can buy your tickets there. And just a quick point of geography, especially for those of you who are not on the East Coast, because I know a lot of you who are not on the East Coast are always saying, you, you, know, you do so many of your tours on the East Coast, but Huntsville is about three hours from Memphis and Nashville, about four from Louisville, and about six from St. Louis, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Little Rock. So if you've not come to see us before and you live within driving distance, gather up your girlfriends and make it a book club road trip to Rocket City. You can find out more about that about snailonthewall.com. Meg will also share the ticketing link to that in the comments. I just have to tell you, Will's doing his state capitals. And when you said that, <laughs> I, just, I got like a little bit like high, right. just like hearing yeah. all this. Yeah. Little itchy. <laughs> Rock. How many times have I said that this week? <laughs> My launch of the Summer of Songbirds will be on July 20th at our beloved Oxford Exchange in Tampa, Florida. And that ticket link is live also. Meg will be sharing the ticketing link in the comments. And I did actually post it in the group earlier this week, but I did not pin it. So, but hopefully we'll have this all together for you soon. And then yeah. we will have another Friends in Fiction live event in September in the Northeast for Mary Kay's 2023 Bright Lights, Big Christmas. I love that title so much. We also have too. some upcoming news about a fundraiser on August 1st in Beaufort, North Carolina. We'll all be together in person. So keep your ears and eyes open and we'll get you all the information on that just as soon as we have it. So make sure that you're signed up for the Friends of Fiction newsletter and our newsletter so you can keep up to date on all these amazing events. Yeah, absolutely. So JT, how about you and events? Do you have some events coming up and where might our listeners <laughs> catch up with you online? I'm sure you do. Yes, we're just heading on a tour. <laughs> but four, four in a day today. <laughs> what, what, else do you, what else do you have coming up and where can readers learn about what you're doing? Um, so you can come to jtlison.com slash events. I'm going to be at Winter Institute next week. Um, and I get to see my Patty in person. I'm so happy. happy. I um, and then I'm out the following week. Um, I'm, I'm going out actually the week after the book comes out, which is, you know, a little bit strange, but it's going to work out way better for all the timing for everything that we're doing. So I'll be, I'll be at Poison Pen and Murder by the Book. Um, and M. Judson in Greenville, and then Litchfield books for on Polly Island, yeah, and uh, then Writer's Block in Orlando, and that's oh, the that's the big. That? that is March sixth. That's where I live. Maybe I can. What, Kristen? Oh. Are yeah. you interested in, in conversation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, we'll talk after this, we'll JT. After. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, that's yeah, awesome. Be, yeah. So I'll be in Winter Park. So I'm super Great. excited about that. Awesome. Okay. We're going to ask you a really quick question before we get to Jill, um, who's waiting in the green room. Um, I want to ask you a twist on the New York Times book review question about the dinner party. 
guests you've had for a dinner party. I want to ask you which of your characters across all of your books pick three to host a dinner party. Well, Taylor Jackson. Absolutely. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sutton. We'll tell them who Taylor is. She's oh, a- I'm sorry. So Taylor Jackson, <laughs> Taylor Jackson is uh, the homicide lieutenant in Metro Nashville. She is my first franchise character. So she is she is why I'm talking to you today because she launched <laughs> my career. So yeah, gotta gotta maybe buy her a nice bottle of wine. That would be cool. <laughs> um, and I think Sutton Montclair because she's uh, in Lie to Me. She's the main character in Lie to Me, and she is she's just such an interesting person, maybe a little bit of a pathological liar, maybe not. Who knows? Um, she would be a lot of fun. Wow. And then maybe Olivia. I was going to say, please have Olivia. She's so interesting. She she really guy. is. And I, I think I would like to have Olivia after the end of the book um, so that I knew everything about her so I could really grill her. And then I could ask her to do my bookshelves. Ah, or my whole house. Yeah. Your book, well, yeah. She, I would like her to do the whole house. Yeah, she's a, she's, I don't know. Yeah, did we even touch on that? She's a, she's a she's interior, interior designer, designer, architect. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would like to have her come and and uh, have dinner and fix things. Well, that was um, the house porn in this book was amazing. So I just have to say that <laughs> it was so great to watch her decorating the like the kind of marble in the kitchen. The whole thing was awesome. I maybe watched a little bit of Christie's Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I, you know, I always, I went to see, I went to see, I loved the feed. It was absolutely Thank fabulous. You. Oh, that's awesome. All right, JT, we are so honored that you opened up to us, that you talked about your book and your life and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, thank you Great guys for having me. And can I just say how incredibly proud and impressed I am of the work that you guys have done building oh. friends in fiction. Oh, it's I, I, I'm in awe and I'm so excited to see what started as just this little thing in the pandemic to keep everybody hooked together and hooked to books and hooked to bookstores turn into the juggernaut that it is. Really proud of you guys. Oh, oh JT, you. we're proud That's of you. So nice. proud of all right, my friend. Hang in there. Take your vitamin C. Thanks, JT. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you in Seattle. All right, y'all. We will see you in a minute with Jill Santapolo and our friend Zibby Owens. But don't forget that you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We live there every week, just like Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. So stick around. I'll see you in about 28 seconds or something. (laughs) See you in a minute. Oh, welcome back. Sorry, I forgot it was supposed to be me. Please, <laughs> not that long. <laughs> Christy, I was just texting you to say I'm fine. I've got it. And like, meanwhile, I'm distracting myself. I'm actually Sorry. doing the show. So welcome back. And I'm fine, Christy. Um, what an evening, right? So let's go on to introduce. And JT was great, Patty. Thank you for sharing your yeah. friend with us. We, yeah, we all really enjoyed amazing. talking with her. It was just, just what we needed tonight. So let's get started and introduce Jill. So Jill Santapolo is the New York Times and internationally best-selling author of novels that have been published in 35 languages. Tonight, we will be talking about her newest one, Stars in an Italian Sky, which sounds like a song, Stars in an Italian, it's such a great title, so lyrical. 
It is. Her novel, The Light We Lost, which I loved, was a Reese pick and is optioned for a film. And we aren't jealous at all. Nope. She's also the vice president and associate publisher of Philomel Books under the Penguin Random House umbrella. And she also writes for children and young adults and is the author of the Alec Flint Mysteries, Sparkle Spa and Follow Your Heart with a BA in English Lit from Columbia and an MFA in Writing for Children. We can't wait to talk to her about her forthcoming World War I novel, Stars in an Italian Sky, a sweeping story of two, wait, that's World War II. World War II, yeah. World War II, I'm sorry. (laughs) Tell me in numbers. That's not you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stars in an Italian Sky, which is a sweeping story of two star-crossed lovers in post-World War II Italy and a blossoming relationship generations later that will reveal a long-buried family secret. So let's bring her on, Sean. Hi, Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Hello. Joy, Joe, where are you coming from? I'm in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Okay. So that's where my son lives. So, so many readers first fell in love with you with your debut novel, The Light We Lost, which was a Reese pick, like we just mentioned, in 2017. And in that book, September 11th was an important backdrop to the plot. It was it was kind of a a holding for the story as two star-crossed lovers try to find their way back to each other. In this newest one, You've created a completely different story of star-crossed lovers set against a completely different historical tragedy. So I wanted to talk to us about why it feels so powerful to take these love stories and put them right inside true history with universal themes of love and loss and longing and all the good stuff. (laughs) My goodness. Um, So... I think part of part of what I love about writing is the connection that you can make with readers and your characters. And to me, there are certain sort of universal truths about being a human. And love and loss are two of them. And also the fact that things happen to you and then it's up to you to do what you will with those things. Yeah. Mm. And I felt like with, with September 11th, which was something that I experienced um, in, in college, similarly to Lucy and Gabe in, in um, The Light We Lost, you know, there were just so many things that crystallized in my mind on that day and relationships that were kind of forged in the crucible of that moment. Mm. And I feel like any really pivotal moment in history can kind of create that crucible to forge these relationships and to crystallize things in people's minds as to, you know, who they are and and what they want and what's important to them. Um, You know, and I feel like we've, we've just been in a place of that with the whole world dealing with the pandemic, you know, that I think there are probably relationships and realizations that people have had because of those events too. And, you know, it's like, what do you do with it? This has happened and now how do you move forward? What, how has it changed you? Well, I think any large drama, trauma, like brings everything right back to center. 
this is what yeah. matters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's such a sense of the Italian setting in this novel. And I have the feeling that two of our favorite Italian-American authors, Adriana Trigiani, who called it Bellissima, <laughs> and Salini, who said she was swept away, agree. Can you talk about the decision to set much of the book in Italy and how you brought it to life? Absolutely. So um, my husband and I both have one Italian side of our family. Um, so my husband's mother and my father. And for our honeymoon in the summer of 2019, we just got in under the wire when you, could, you know, <laughs> still have, have weddings and go on big honeymoons. Um, we went to Italy and we spent some time um, mostly with his family because he still has a lot of cousins over there. And um, we basically did a family tour of Northern Italy. So we went from um, Milan to Sm these small towns in Piemonte to um, Verazza to uh, Verona, Verona, is that where we went? I think that's where we went. Um, <laughs> up to Cortina, like we we did the whole the whole sort of circuit of Northern Italy, visiting his family, and then went south to um, to see where my family is from. But on the way, we were talking to all of his relatives, and um, I had known that his mother's cousins. Um, one of them was descended from a marquis, the Marquis of Rocca de Baldi and the Count of Saluzzo. And the family still had the um, abbey, called Labadia, that the family has owned for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And when I was talking to them, they said something about, oh yeah, the, the referendum of 1946. And I was like, I must have missed that in history class. Like, could you tell me a little bit more about it? And um, it was the referendum. It was the very first time that women could vote in Italy. And it was when they voted to abolish the monarchy and with it, the nobility. And I just was imagining how someone who thought that their life was going to move in one direction, they were going to be the count or they were going to be the marquis or whatever. And then all of a sudden this vote happens and their future changes yeah. and what that would be like. And then, so that was his family. My family were descended from shoemakers. So I was like, well, what if the daughter of a shoemaker was dating somehow um, or was, you know, in love with the son of a count? Like what would happen with the referendum then? Um, so, so that sort of um, really sparked the story. And then I did a ton of research from home. I wanted to go back actually, um, but I was writing this during the pandemic and we couldn't get back. So mm -hmm. I did a ton of research at home and I was talking to a bunch of professors who were in Italy. I was talking to people whose parents were alive in 1946 and were sharing their stories with me, which was so generous and so wonderful. Um, and I did a lot of, you know, Google Maps views and looking at all the places and then just, you know, writing about the places where we were and the stories that we had heard while we were there. Um, so that's sort of how Italy got infused in there. And I had met also with my Italian publisher who had said to me, you know, you're, you're, you're part Italian. You should write about Italy. So, awesome. um, <laughs> she, which was, which was great. And then she also offered to, um, to, to like fact check my, my oh, Italian awesome. history, which was awesome. That's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Kristen? Oh, 
Sorry, I was tossing to Christy, actually. Christy, do you, you want to grab yeah, your start? Yeah, oh. of your work at <laughs> Philomel, your list of authors is absolutely incredible. The books that you have edited include the number one New York Times bestsellers, She Persisted by Chelsea Clinton. And Alexandra, I really, I'm not going to do well with my names tonight. Alexandra, is it, how do you say her last name? Boyger. 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 Oh, well, that's what I would have said. Okay. Just asked <laughs> by... Sonia Sotomayor and Rafael Lopez, Girling Up by Maya Bialik, and Superheroes Are Everywhere by Kamala Harris and Mikkel Renee Rip. Okay. These are all such great books with great messages for some truly incredible people. Can you talk to us a bit about what it's like working with such high profile women and what it means to you to bring stories and words of inspiration to a young audience? Yeah. Um, so I love. I love working as an editor for children's books and people all the time are like, so when are you going to just choose one? Are you going to edit? You're going to write. And I was like, I, I can't because I just love both of these things so <laughs> oh, much. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I really love about being able to edit such incredibly inspirational, um, successful, remarkable women is the idea of being able to empower the next generation and being able to share their messages and the driving forces of their lives with kids in the hope that they'll see them and they'll internalize them and their perspective on what they can achieve will shift. And that we'll be able to raise, you know, a next generation of women who are all empowered to do anything that they, you know, want to set their minds to. That's you know, I, I, I love that because JT, when she was with us earlier tonight, JT Ellison was talking a little bit about how having a piece of her own experience in that book kind of helps other uh, other women. You know, we, we were talking about how, you know, she had gone through these miscarriages and that became something in her books. And it I, I'm just I, it, you're kind of echoing the same thing that when you read something, you feel a part of something and it can maybe change your way forward or change the way you look at the world. So I love that we're hearing that kind of for the second time tonight in a different mm -hmm. way as it pertains mm -hmm. to young people. Um, and Jill, I also wanted to say, having read your book, I, I really loved it. You know, I liked it. And I but I didn't know that about your whole family. Um, so that's awesome. I, I just think that anybody who reads this is going to read it with a different understanding than I did and probably enjoy it all the more for knowing that it came from such a personal place. I, I think that's uh, that's really neat. So thank you for sharing that with us. So mm -hmm. Jill, we are so pleased you found the time to join us. Of course, the book is out in just under two weeks on February 28th, but now is a great time to pre-order to make sure it is <laughs> sitting there waiting for you on the 28th. Um, Jill, can you tell everyone where to find you online and in person? during this release? Absolutely. So um, I have a website, jillsantapolo.com. I mostly hang out on Instagram um, at jillsantapolo. I have a Twitter that I never use, but it's there. Um, it just <laughs> it's 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 um, it exists. It exists, yeah. Uh, so no, just parked there. So no one else takes my name, I guess. Um, and then I have a Facebook page, um, Jill Santapolo author. And then on my website, there's an events page right now. I'm going to be on tour um, starting the 28th of February in DC. I'll be in New York City. Um, I'll be in South Carolina. I'll be in a few different places in Florida. Um, and then Pennsylvania, I think, um, are, are the main places that all the information is on the events page on my website. 
Isn't well, it nice that we're great. back in the world now on oh, these tours? Sure so amazing. I know. I hope great. we get, we hope one of us cross paths with you. Definitely. I know. I'm so disappointed because she's actually going to be so close to me. And I don't, I don't think I can come because I don't think my immunity is going to be quite back up to snuff yet. But next time, next, next time, Jill, I will catch you on your yes. way through. Absolutely. <laughs> and if any of you come to DC or New York, come say hey. Oh. Okay, sounds good. Well, Jill, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We wish you all the best of luck with this personal family book that's just such a great World War II and post-World War II story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Thank you. But all of you out there, do not go anywhere. We have a two-for-one after show tonight. How lucky are we? That never happens. And waiting in the wings to come on and celebrate with all of you is the incredible Zibby Owens. Christy? Yay! Let's bring Zibby on. Oh, she's here. I know she's here. She said hi to all of us. Yeah. Hi, Zibby. <laughs> hi, Zibby. Hi. hi. Thank you so much for coming to say hey to us tonight. We know you have a lot going on right now. Um, and so we just wanted to talk to you about some of the amazing things that you have been up to with your new imprint and your new bookstore and all your latest news. And um, we just wanted to celebrate some of these milestones with you because you've had an amazing few years in the book world. Thank you. Well, this was such an exciting invitation to get. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I can pop on. Sure. <laughs> um, Why not? I've only all. done 172 other things today. <laughs> well, Zibby, you're the only one who got the pink memo from me. So <laughs> I guess I they forgot that- it was Valentine's <laughs> week, but. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible. I, I know. Been, uh, mine says love. That counts. All right, Zibby, you are the busiest woman in the book world. <laughs> and we are so happy you could fit us in from opening a new bookstore to launching the first book in your imprint to more press than press we'd all die for. <laughs> GMA and the LA Times. It has been a whirlwind for you. But first things first, we know you know, we are huge supporters of indie bookstores here on Friends in Fiction. It's part of the reason we started. And when an author friend who also happens to be a huge friend to other writers opens a bookstore, we have to hear about it. So give us all the details, the bookstore, the opening. We want to know everything. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about the bookstore. It's like a dream come true. Of course, I've spent so much time thinking about the opening weekend that my husband, Kyle was like, you know, like the store is going to go on after this weekend, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just going to focus on this. Um, Yes. No, it's really wonderful. It's in Santa Monica, California on Montana Avenue, which is this adorable little walking strip of town that really needed a bookstore. It turns out Um, the owner had been trying to get a bookstore in Montana for a long time, unbeknownst to me as I, you know, came, breezed into California and wanted to get a bookstore in the Palisades, uh, where we have a house. And um, this agent who I worked with said, you know, there's this place on Montana and the owner really wants a bookstore. And I kept being like, no, 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 I don't want to be in Montana. I want to be near my house in the Palisades. And so he kept like trying and trying. And I inadvertently negotiated myself this amazing deal. <laughs> awesome. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, now I'll do it. Why not? Can't turn That's it down. Awesome. So uh, it ended up, and I love Montana. Um, I was just joking. It's like extra, what, 10 minutes in the car really doesn't matter. But um, it's so cute. It's tiny. It's 823 square feet. 
Um, but we are fitting in a lot of books. We're carrying about 1300 titles to start and we can't have that many copies of each one, but we're doing our <laughs> best to squeeze them in. Our bathroom is like full of books. I don't even know. We have a storage problem, but I don't know. We'll figure <laughs> that out. Um, and basically what I wanted to do with this store is change the way people are really thinking about indie bookstores. I feel like a lot of times consumers are disappointed, right? They walk into an independent bookstore thinking like, oh, I need this book. Do you have it? And they're like, no, we can order it. And then they walk out being like, well, that's stupid. I'll just order it on my phone. And this is annoying. And why don't indies ever have it? And that is not the narrative. That is not what indies are there for. In fact, I wanted to make t-shirts, which I still might that say like, no, we probably don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Because we can only carry so many titles. And the goal for us is not to compete with, you know, you can have a, a book on your phone within two seconds in thin air. You could listen to a book and everything. Uh, but really to A, be a community, like meeting spot where authors are always in conversation and interesting, fun conversations are going on among the people shopping and the people circulating and just always something going on there. But also so they can discover new books because mm. it's so hard. It's hard in big box stores when like certain titles have a million copies and the others don't. So we're being much more sort of democratic and most books have the same amount of copies on the shelf. And uh, we're organizing it in the best way we could think of to improve discovery. So we have it organized, each vertical aisle is something else. So we have books that make you dot, 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 and then oh. you know, cry, laugh, oh, that's laugh awesome. tremble. Oh. And then we have two different vertical shelves, all curated by different authors like Kevin Kwan and Lori Gottlieb and other LA authors wow. and a few non-LA authors who gave us their top 10 picks. So then we have their books and their picks. Oh, wow. so that's two shelves. And then we have books for who you identify as, like different identity groups. Like we have a Jewish section. Everybody's like, why are you getting all these? I was like, I'm Jewish. I want a little, I want a shelf. Anyway, <laughs> LGBTQ and you know, all different identity types. Um, we have books by your interest. So books for the dot, 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 foodie, traveler, um, awesome. historian, athlete, books. So you can find books that way. And then we have buzzy books, book to film, uh, now showing. So like new releases and book to film, which I thought was particularly good in LA. Um, and yeah. then uh, our own Zibby books that we're publishing and um, some other categories, some staff picks and a friends fiction section. Like a and then we have like books by all the people coming to do events. So we want to highlight awesome. those ahead of time. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited, really excited. And I did it with, uh, I should say it was not just me. I partnered with, uh, Sherry Puzzi and Diana Tramontano who are on my team for all our other things like Zibby Meg and Zibby Books. And they are wonderful. And the three of us like have so much fun just sitting in my kitchen in LA, like coming up with all these categories and <laughs> like, we just awesome. have a lot of laughs. So we're having a good time. That's so fun. Well, we know that you are celebrating with that fantastic grand opening um, that I, for one, really tried to make it to. But um, please give us the details and let us know, let all of our friends on Friends in Fiction know how they can come and how they can celebrate uh, both in person with you and even if they can't celebrate in person, how they can celebrate, how they can support your new venture. 
Thank you. Yes. It's zibbiesbookshop.com. And right on our homepage, if you just keep scrolling down, I just put the opening events right on there. They're also on Eventbrite. Uh, we have all of our events will be on Eventbrite too. Most of them are free, uh, occasionally ticketed, but you can find them on Eventbrite. Just search Zibby's Bookshop uh, or go to our website, Zibby's Bookshop. And then we have a whole events section there for upcoming events. And that's the best way to find out. But it's this Saturday and Sunday, 18th and 19th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days. And every hour we have three or four authors um, it's really tapping into the local LA author community, which we're excited about. And uh, although one person offered to fly in from Chicago and I was like, Okay, if you want yeah, to sure. follow, I guess. Anyway, uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. And in the midst of all that, on Sunday at 2, we have an event, which is our first event in conversation, which is our Zibby Books author, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda, in conversation with Annabelle Gerwich, who I adore, who's the Thurber Prize finalist for humor right now, and New York Times bestselling author of You're Leaving When? So that'll be really fun, too. That's awesome. Yeah, the the list looks great. I've checked it out on your website. I mean, you just have such a varied list of um of uh of authors, LA-based authors for the most part signing there. I, I wish I could come too, just like Christy said. Uh-oh. So Zibby, the four of us know firsthand how much it takes to launch your own book when you're just doing the writing and touring and a portion of the promotion. I mean, that feels like such a heavy lift. But you're doing it all like with Zippy books, you've taken things to this whole new level. So from actually acquiring the books all the way through, this is a huge endeavor that will allow so many important voices to be heard. So you mentioned Alicia Fernandez Miranda, of course, your publishing line released her book last week, which was the very first book from Zippy books. Um, it's a memoir about four internships, three countries, two kids, and one life-changing adventure. Mm-hmm. And you have been on the coolest book tour with Alicia. So can you tell us what are some of the highlights of that first launch for you? Yes, it's been so fun. We've been blown away by the press that Alicia's been getting. Um, we've been on GMA and MS. She's been on MSNBC, CNN, like these two local shows. She's in all the taxis this week. Uh, <laughs> it keeps going. NPR, my aunt was like, I was driving in Greenwich and I heard about this book. I didn't know it was yours. I was like, great. Um, so that's been wonderful. But the most fun part has been being out in public with Alicia, with real readers and people. We've had two bookstore events, one at the Strand in New York City and one at Books and Books in Miami. And then we're making it really festive and fun. So her book had all these different internships. So we tried to make some thematic events. So we, one of her internships was in online fitness. So we, we did a, an event at Dance Body uh, downtown. I thought that was really cool. Oh my gosh. I was so embarrassed. My face was so red. It gets so red now when I work out because I'm like so out of shape. But anyway, uh, to have to work out in front of my whole team was pretty amusing. Uh, <laughs> and then she's doing events now in New Orleans. She did something at Fun Dimensions. We have this in LA. She's going to Houston. Uh, but I think for all the authors, we're trying to do things just a little bit different. So like for our next book, Andrea Dunlop, Women Are the Fiercest Creatures, we are doing this retreat in Hampton Bays and there's some day passes left for that. Uh, but we're also doing like yoga with Word Bookstore and just like, I, we're just trying everything for fun and That's awesome. um, yeah, just spicing it up a little. Uh, so it's been, it's been a blast and Alicia is just such a good sport. She's so much energy. We're such a team. I feel like we've been in it from the beginning and like sharing ideas all the time. So it's uh, it's really been a dream launch. And I worried so much for so long. I mean, 
literally like days before I was like, I can't do this. I just can't do this. I have a huge mistake. Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah. Anyway, it happened. It's good. So far, so good. That's, That's what awesome. we sound like right before book tour. I can't do it. Yes. It's not going to happen. I'm gonna, time. I got to go to bed. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Why Why did I think I could do that? And yeah, then you exactly. just do it because you said you would do it. You've been writing a new book too. And writing a new book, it's like that all those blank pages are looking at you and you're like, what? I can't do this. Do yeah. That. Exactly. And then we do it. Yeah. I, my, I, I'm finishing my novel, which is due March 1st, which maybe I'm oh. finishing. But anyway, I have like 13,000 more words left. But it's called Blank, and it's about an author who can't deal with the blank page. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Wow. That plays into my questions. I mean, what's it like releasing somebody else's book instead of your own? Oh my gosh, I, it's so much better. <laughs> it's, it's Less pressure, I, right? Yeah. It's like I don't have. I can do all the thinking and planning, but then I don't have to perform at the last yeah. minute as well. So, uh, so I can just like sit in the back and like smile proudly, which is great. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm loving it. It's a satisfaction that's so different from trying to market myself, which always feels like dirty in some way. Do you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. We yeah. do it because yeah. we have to do it, but it's like, Oh, it's a little awkward. Like, please buy my book. But I feel so differently because this is a great product and I'm just helping it get out in the world because I really believe it's going to help other people if they read it, entertain them, help them like rethink their lives. And so, yeah, I just feel like I can be this ambassador and like creative friend to the book. Uh, So it's really, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm really loving this role. So you're like the midwife for this book. I am like the midwife. I like it. And now the nanny, like the midwife who became the nanny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The (laughs) The birth doula who stayed to be the the nanny. (laughs) When the author needs some sleep, you just get up with So Zibby, we're so excited for everything going on. And we, of course, raise a toast to you for raising up authors and creating an independent bookstore. So now that you're officially a bookseller, can you give us a recommendation of something that you are absolutely loving right now? Ooh, something I am absolutely loving. Oh gosh. I'm going to give a heads up on that. Like I yep, have read like 11 books this pod. week and I can't remember any of them. I, I, wait, I read something great this week. Um, I read it. What did I do? Hold on. Well, I read BFF, which I really loved. Um, BFF from Christy Tate. I just finished that this week. Um, I don't know if you've read that. And, oh, there was something else that I like, could not put down. Well, anyway, I'm reading lots of good stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you are. And Between your podcast. Well, I know. Your- uh, Julia Langbein wrote a book called American Mermaid. And I'm just going to put Ooh. this out there that this is going to be a huge hit. This is my Ooh. prediction. It's coming out, I don't know, in April or May or something. And it's so smart and funny. That's and awesome. I think it's going to be like a breakout hit. This is my, I, you know, th- this is having read it. I, I love the title. I love yeah, the I love title. Yeah, I think it's oh, going to be a big one. That's, that's awesome. Well, Zippy, congratulations. We're, we're just, we're happy for everything. We're thrilled that you're opening this bookstore. We're, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's just everything that's good about the literary community kind of all rolled into one, one person. You're just doing it all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you make us all feel like slackers. Oh, so please. you guys are the hardest working people in show business over here. But I think that the four of you should come to an event. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, yeah. Yes, let's do it. California road trip, baby. We're yeah, in. That, all the way. I would, love, I would love that. It would be That'd so be awesome. much fun. Zibby, I believe you're down the street from father's office. So you just basically yes. had me at like hamburgers and we're beer, right across so. the street. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a great Meg day. just said, California, <laughs> here we come. Yeah. Right, Meg, let's do it. We haven't done a West coast <laughs> event yet. You guys, that's really. Sean said he's coming too. So good. All Fantastic. Right. Sean, Sean, you and I can sidle up to the bar at, at father's office and the rest of them can, uh, <laughs> you can do the bookstore top. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Sorry. I'm like choking over here. Um, Zibby, we are thrilled. We want to raise a glass to you. you. Cheers guys. to you. Cheers, oh, my night. Seriously. From thank you. Thank all you. All of us. We thank cannot you. wait to see. Oh my gosh. Thank you. We cannot wait to see what's up next for you. Um, and we will celebrate with you all along the way. This is amazing. Thank you. So and go thank coordinate you. amongst yourselves and pick a date and we'll we'll do it. I love it. We're in. I'm I'm in. Okay, everyone out there, that is it for us tonight. Tune in next Wednesday when we'll be joined by Sadiqa Johnson, who is not only the Reese Witherspoon pick this month, but just hit the New York Times list tonight. Yay. So we're so excited. Oh, yay. That's so awesome. she's New York Times bestselling author, Sadiqa Johnson. She'll be here next week. Um, and she we will also have Lynn Cullen with her newest, The Woman with the Cure. Have a great night, everybody. Good night, Good night everybody. Night. Thanks, Zibby. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.